All right. Hello. Hi. Uh, what have you been up to lately? Oh, you know, book stuff mostly. Everybody, go buy my book. <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. I, Mika, go buy it. All right. Uh, let's get started today. Yeah, what are you lesson, telling me about? Our lesson is about Trotskyism. I started re-listening to our episode on Trotsky, and then I got bored. <laughs> okay. So I stopped. Not our best work, I guess. No, it was fine. It's just like I had I have already listened to it a couple times because I do the editing. So mm. I'm like, I start tuning it out. Like, I can't listen to our own podcast after a certain point. I get you. I used to feel that way about it when I did the editing. Yeah. So that's yeah. It's a function of that. All right. So the, the question we wanted to address, I guess, today is what is Trotskyism? Mm-hmm. And mostly in a theoretical sense somewhat in kind of a historical sense of like what are the origins of the the uh the ideology of trotskyism and everything mm-hmm. uh one thing kind of up top that we're not gonna get into is like a big history of or a taxonomy of all the different trotskyist parties or their kind of like um family tree nah we don't need to do that i read a lot about it <laughs> read about it anyway it's in there uh but it was too much and it was like hey okay i've got to narrow my scope (laughs) i cannot talk about all that so (laughs) we're mostly focusing on on theory okay great uh but first we will tackle the word itself it's one of the isms Mm -hmm. there's a lot of these maybe you could provide the class with a brief kind of rundown of these i'll kind of go through them and give you some other isms Okay. Summarize for the class, maybe. Okay. Oh, of other like. isms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, So, you got Marxism. Marxism. Yeah. Or am I given the definition to? Sure, yeah. Okay. So, you're into Marx. You, you, you believe in his theories. You like the whole uh, season, the means of production, that kind of thing. And, you know, the... Oh, what's it called? Where he, like, goes through the different eras of history, and he's like, hey, we're in this one, but we're going to get to a cooler one. Like you historical know. materialism. That's the one. And dialectical materialism is another one. And, yeah, you just vibe with him, basically, and his it's, ideas. It's OG, right? That's OG. like OG, episode one. Yeah. <laughs> do a socialist revolution, build mm-hmm. stuff up, do a communist, rev- you know, build into communism, basically. Build into communism. There you go. Totally. Classic. All right. Then you have Leninism. Um, so I'm going to base this mostly off of what I remember from State and Revolution. So more about like, okay, you got to have a vanguard party who knows what's up. Um, this is basically a secretive group of folks who are like, we're going to pull off the revolution and we're also going to educate the people because we know what's up. And then you do that and you, you know, the people take over the state structure and eventually the state withers away. All right, good. Now, why did why is there Leninism? Why did Lenin do you know come up with these ideas? He was just bored one day. Um, because that's what worked for him. Like that was his his strat was they had to be very secretive because they came up in czarist times and they kept getting sent to fucking Siberia and jumping off trains. And so he's <laughs> like, all right, let's maybe keep it small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the conditions of Russia, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what drove that. Uh, then you have. Uh, this is maybe a trick. Let's see. Marxism-Leninism. Oh, shit. I mean, that's just a combo, right? <laughs> this is what you've just described, Okay, correct? yeah, yeah, because 
That's what he did. He built on Marx. Our weird thing, you know, our our weird history, we've tried to untangle this before. So just a reminder to you guys, uh, Leninism is like Lenin's thought. So like his kind of applying Marxism Mm -hmm. to what he's going through, right? Marxism-Leninism is the official, like, mm. it'd be like a homebrew D&D version versus like a rule book one. <laughs> okay, okay, so this okay. is afterward, once they kind of test out what happened with Leninism and stuff, after his death, Stalin codifies it into Marxism-Leninism and says gotcha. this is the official rule set now. Gotcha. All right. Uh, then, uh, bonus question here, what's Stalinism? Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, he did a lot of industrialization and he like, he had a pretty planned economy. Um, he was also like a little paranoid. <laughs> okay. Well, that's um, like Stalin. But yeah. I don't, I don't remember what Stalinism is specifically. Stalinism is, this is a bonus question because it's kind of a trick question. Mm. It's sort of just the insult version of Marxism Leninism. Like okay. you, you don't like a Marxist Leninist, you say, Oh, you're a Stalinist. Oh, okay. You know, like like calling him a tanky sort of. I see, I see. Uh, it's not technically a separate ideology. Really. Other people negative. will use it that way. Okay. Yeah. They'll say, Oh, that's when you're doing bad things. Marxist Leninist, but you're you're a dictator <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we're almost through with these. What about uh Maoism, aka Mao Zedong thought? Great. So this one is about the mass line. Um, going to the people and saying, hey, what do you want? What do you want? All right, cool. Incorporate it. Um, it's also about uh, utilizing the peasants in your revolution, um, seeing their revolutionary potential and recruiting them into your movement. All right, good. Those are two big points of Maoism. And yeah, so Mao Zedong thought that's like sort of like Leninism, right? It's just mm-hmm. like Marxist Leninism, but applied to the Chinese conditions. And then later, you actually technically have a Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, MLM, mm-hmm. as we like to <laughs> refer to. Uh, this one's sort of similar to Marxist Leninism is is the after after Mao's death. The, yes, it's strange because it's not in China; it's in Peru. Oh, that they codify it. They write, you know, uh, Marxism third edition mm. uh, with Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, uh, the Shining Path, Communist Party of Peru. There, we gotta do an episode on them. Yeah, they're controversial in a lot of ways, but I mean, they were a you know a popular. They were doing a like a a civil war, guerrilla war style thing. So. Yeah. But yeah, so there's a lot of isms out there. Now we're dealing with Trotskyism. Okay. Sort of like the name implies, it's a Marxist political ideology developed by and based on the thought of Leon Trotsky. That guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want more information on him, you can. Go back into our episode. Do you have any high points to remind the listeners about? Yeah, he uh, he was all about exporting the revolution, I think. That's going to be probably one of the points here. Yeah, he was kind of intense, <laughs> from what I remember. Yeah, uh, he was. A bit of a glory hound in some ways. Yeah, he like led the Red Army, and he... Uh, oh, he negotiated that treaty to get out of World War One, and mm-hmm. that's how far I got in the episode. And my chicken dinner was too full, and I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, I mean those are some good good points of him. Obviously, he eventually falls afoul mm, of yes, yes, yes. Stalin, and yeah, basically everyone else by that point, and gets <laughs> kicked out, gets assassinated, and uh, yeah. But in in the meantime, he spells out a lot of different ideas that. Some of them stick, some of them don't. 
And that's kind of what I want to dive into here is kind of the concepts of Trotskyism uh, and its terminology. Also, I want to show you a cool logo. Please. This is sort of the Trotskyist logo. I thought it was neat anyway. Ooh, what's with the four? So this is the logo of the Fourth International. Oh, that's actually really good. Like, that's pretty sharp. Yeah, good sharp lines. Uh, hammer and sickle, angular four going on. Yeah, that's pretty sick. We'll put it in. Well, it's in the Patreon. Oh, it'll probably so. be the episode art because I'm lazy these days and I don't make my own. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got Marxism plus Trotsky's thoughts, and it's a little bit debatable the aspects of it. So, uh, if you like Trotsky and you like his ideas, if you kind of follow along with that, if if you're you know openly a member of a Trotskyist party, mm-hmm. uh, you can look at this as Leninism plus Trotsky's ideas. So, okay. like, he sort of faithfully carries out and develops Builds Leninism. On. Yeah. Okay. And it's like a logical extension of that. Gotcha. If you don't like Trotsky, <laughs> then it's a deviation. Yes. Yeah, very much so. It's either a deviation of Leninism itself or it's maybe like just a repudiation of that altogether. Mm. A reversion to some sort of fucked up version of Marxism. Gotcha, gotcha. There's different camps on (laughs) how people don't like Trotskyism. (laughs) Uh, But one big concept in Trotskyism that kind of, to me, forms the root of it is a concept called uneven and combined development. The fuck is that? It has a complicated name. (laughs) It is sort of simple, but it explains a lot. Okay. So... The idea here is that countries develop largely independent of each other. Yeah. Right? They're all doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they develop unevenly. Right? Some countries have more shit than others. You know, higher population, lower population, whatever. Right? In terms of quantitative and qualitative. So different cultural things or different ecological situations or geographical resources, uh, economic growth, whatever. Okay. Right? Lots of differences. Uh, they countries are, are different. Countries are different, right? Very simple. <laughs> Number one. So that's the uneven part. And they develop uh, differently, too. So they uh, will, in one particular area, they'll, you know, this country will grow way faster. And, and then, but they won't grow fast in this other area. Mm. So population versus industry or something or agriculture, like... There's no, there's nothing, there's no uniform way that they develop, basically, yes, okay. is what it's saying. Uh, countries aren't isolated, though, and so their interactions with each other can kind of influence that development, too. Totally. They can combine, also, they can kind of borrow uh, stuff from each other, culturally, technologically, and that can change things, for the better or for the worse. In that sense, they could potentially advance uh, in non-linear, non-step-by-step ways. They could kind of skip steps. Mm, I see, I see. You you have an uncontacted... This is an extreme example, but say you had an uncontacted society. Mm -hmm. And then you go over there and you're like, here you go, everybody. Everyone gets an AR-15. (laughs) Or penicillin, but, you know, we could start with the guns. Dark side, light side. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Extreme example, but this sort of idea of... Societies being able to progress in ways that wouldn't be predicted if you just ignored the fact that they're all yes. interacting. Or regress. Like, I'm thinking more open veins. Like, the relations between countries being a, 
absolute detriment to some societies. That's something that Trotsky talks about, too. Okay. Uh, something that kind of uh, his writing and Lenin's writing ends up you know, being referenced, being an influence uh, on thinkers and what's called like a world systems theory okay. and dependency theory, which is something that Galliano was familiar with and that speaks in open veins, right? Is uh, countries can intentionally or accidentally help or hinder countries' development. So like you're saying with imperialism, you can just sit there and corrupt a country and be like, you are twisted now to serve only my interests, mm -hmm. you know, and stunt them and everything else. And that's that, mm -hmm. right? The conclusion here is, you know, like we said, history isn't all linear. It has all these twists and turns. And sometimes even, not only are countries just held back, but they can also be driven backward. Or they can, they can fall back. They can regress yeah. themselves. And especially Trotsky's analysis of this is, when he starts writing about it in the 30s and stuff later uh, is about fascism and ah. populism. And so he says, you know, this is very barbaric. They are kind of borrowing uh, sort of ancient totems of war. And to me, it's kind of good on the symbolic side. It doesn't, that doesn't focus so much on the economic side of it being capital and mm -hmm. retreat sort of, you know, with his mask off back yeah, against the wall. Yeah, but culturally, you can see regression a lot. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Listeners, we have a very jumpy, jingly cat this week. Maybe you'll get a picture in the in the social media pages. The cat text. <laughs> All right, so that's the theory of uneven and combined development. All right, countries is different, different developments, and they affect each other. Yeah. That's pretty simple. Right. That seems pretty fucking obvious. And I know not many people have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the basis. That like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, uh... Like I said, forms a part of this actual academic, non-Marxist sort of field. And okay. it's, it's it's accepted. That's, I mean, that's it, fine. It almost just sounds like it's like globalism, basically. Yeah, it's a study of that sort of thing. Yeah. Saying, hey, this is this is not all linear. This is not all predictable. There's at times very weird combinations. Totally. All right, and so this, I think, is where he builds upon that theory of permanent revolution which we've discussed somewhat in the bio episode. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of want to give it a better rundown, I think. I don't remember, so... It's okay, yeah, it's fine. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Uh, so, first of all, permanent revolution was not a term coined initially by Trotsky. Okay, somebody it later? Was, yeah, it was. well, it was used differently before he used it mm. by Marx and Engels. What was their version? So all they meant was a permanent revolution was... Uh, that a revolutionary class in bygone ages, that would be the bourgeoisie. In mm -hmm. this age, it's the proletarians, uh, which whatever the revolutionary class was at that time. Yeah. Would, so whoever's doing the revolution. Yeah. They would continue to pursue their interests or they should continue to pursue their interests, even if they're not dominant. So the historical example that Marx used was under Napoleon in France, the bourgeoisie was not in charge, the military and the you know the apparatus of the state was, but they were still pushing their agenda hmm. kind of gradually. Okay. Uh, and he writes repeatedly to communist organizations in his time to continuously push, advocate for your agenda. 
using basically whatever means necessary. I mean, mm. push your politicians, you know, push that electoral, pass the laws, change the laws. But as soon as they do that, push for more. Yeah. And be agitating in the street and be organized. He's like, it's permanent. It's, you're always agitating always for more. Always be communisting. Yes. Never be satisfied. <laughs> that sort of thing. I like that better than always be closing. Yes. <laughs> always be communisting. I like it. Uh, so Trotsky, his definition is not really the same. Okay. That's a, that's a different thing, really. So his theory of permanent revolution is kind of linked with that uneven and combined development. Mm-hmm. Okay. Specifically, the part where countries can skip stages or be held back, you know, this sort of, it's not linear. Yes. Thing. Okay. Uh, Trotsky says that... Sometimes countries get held back by the more economically advanced countries, like in the example of imperialism Mm -hmm. and everything. And when that happens, those countries get put on an alternate track. So they no longer develop the way you think a country would develop. Uh, They get put on this alternate track where capitalists are no longer willing or capable of developing productive forces, the economy, into an advanced enough, industrialized enough situation, an advanced enough capitalism producing such you know immense amounts of shit and everything like marx and engels predict that oh the big industrial countries they're going to grow and grow and grow they're going to produce this huge working class that's going to radicalize and overthrow the system Mm. he says they're not going to do that so they can't imperialized countries because they are prevented from developing industrial powers by imperialism they don't have that they don't have a huge proletariat right okay he's saying because countries develop in these different ways and some countries get fucked over, that predicted development along Marx's line is not going to happen in mm-hmm. all these countries. What are we to do? I see. Right? And his answer is not just like, well, that sucks. They're not going to get a revolution. <laughs> sucks for them. He said, we're going to do the revolution anyway. Okay. All right. And so a good example is where he lived in Russia. Yeah. In Russia, where this, you know, the, the proletarian is tiny. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of, it's burgeoning in the cities. But there's a huge amount of peasants and farmers and stuff. Right. And rather than sit around and wait for the bourgeoisie to do something here, they're also not very developed. This is a, basically a feudal society yeah. that we're trying to jumpstart and straight up into socialism. How are we going to do it? Uh, he says... The proletariat would have to take the lead in an alliance with the peasantry to do a bourgeois democratic revolution and then continue that, make it permanent, to go and build on that just straight on into a mm. worker state, a socialist state. So, Sorry, you said bourgeois revolution first and then? Yes, in a way. Uh, the bourgeois revolution would just... It would just roll right on over. Gotcha, gotcha. So as soon as you're there, you're already like, yeah, well, we've got this. We're, we're, we're doing socialism. Okay. This is, again, giving me a lot of Mao vibes of like utilize the peasants and also like, because they, they were like in a civil war, like partnering with the bourgeoisie to like get like, okay, let's at least get this asshole out. There is, there, there's an important difference because th- there is sort of that mm, aspects of it mm-hmm. that overlap. Crucially, Trotsky said that the proletariat would be in the lead in this alliance. Okay, okay. Uh, in that he considered... He was kind of anti-peasant. Oh, no. Uh, he said they were gullible, unenlightened sorts, quote, absolutely incapable of taking up an independent political role. Okay, okay. So whereas Mao is peasant-led, 
atrocities is the peasants are being led. <laughs> yes, being led by the by culture. The okay. And also against any elements of the bourgeoisie. Yes. So okay. in Maoism, under the new democracy tenet of that ideology, Mao said you would have the peasants being this primary revolutionary force in alliance with the proletariat, in alliance with the petty bourgeoisie, mm. and in alliance with the national or patriotic bourgeoisie. Okay. So okay. people who were doing businesses and stuff, mm-hmm. but who wanted Chinese independence. Yes. Versus so harness nationalism for your cause. Yeah. Versus okay. like the international or the comprador bourgeoisie who were the ones like ripping the whole country off. Okay. And, but Trotsky's not into that part of it. No. So he, he all bourgeoisie nationalist or otherwise. We don't like that. No. Yeah. Okay. Get them out. Peasants are also not very good. Uh, <laughs> okay. But we're going to use them. Kind of limiting though. We're going to convince them that we're cool. We're their champions. We're their liberators. Okay. So therefore, they're going to side with us. All right. Uh, so that was his kind of position on it. Finally, the kind of last thing to consider there is you're doing this revolution. Great, great, great. How long is that going to last if you're the only socialist country? So this is where the concept of the world revolution yeah. comes into play is you've got to export it. Spread it. Yeah. Hit the little share button. Hit export. Save as PDF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or call your younger coworker to figure out the PDF thing. <laughs> Make sure you have airdrop turned on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So world revolution, this idea wasn't new either. You know, I mean, OG Marxism is like, yeah. we're going to have this worldwide. It's not one country. But the, I think the difference in emphasis for, for Trotsky is, and for the Bolsheviks, Entirely, like they're they're pretty much on board yeah. with Trotsky's like conception of this permanent revolution when they are doing the taking power. Yeah, because right? that that is their that's, situation. That's what they did, right? Yeah, um, like we everyone here is illiterate. Like, sure, yeah, we Stalin need Stalin was on board with this yeah. at the time, right? But uh, the, the the reason it's a different emphasis for them that they're like, hey, world revolution really really matters, is because in Marx and Engels' conception of it, this was going to happen in the advanced countries first. Yeah, and I think, I mean, they at least characterized it as taking off pretty quickly of like, well, England will go and then France will go. Like, they thought it would kind of be a chain reaction thing. Yes, it was. It would be related and it would be based on, like, you know, superior economic development and everything. Mm-hmm. And once you had such a big piece off the board, it's not as big of a deal if... Like, you don't have to worry about, oh, does it catch fire everywhere? Because you're pretty strong like, yeah. as a big country. It's like so that. interesting that it did not turn out that way at all. No, yeah. <laughs> we like, were like, oh, we'll just become the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Lenin's conception of it happening in imperialism's weakest link mm-hmm. turned out to be correct. Uh, but the reason it's a difference in emphasis and, like, they really, really care about getting this world revolution going is because it happens in this one you know, comparatively fairly weak country, mm-hmm. uh, they need some help and fast. They need some fucking friends. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So pretty much everybody in, in the earliest days of the Bolshevik Revolution were like, we need to do world revolution and do it fast. Nice. Like that was, that was their line. They also had reason to believe that this was going to work and pretty quickly. There was a wave of revolutions throughout Europe after the Russian Revolution, kind of inspired by them. Really? Okay, where? Uh, all right, so where? Uh, Finland, for example, 
Finland ends up in the Finnish Civil War because uh, they set up a, a short-lived like People's Republic situation there. In Germany, you have the big revolution at the end of World War One that topples the German Empire. And then you have kind of a split up of different cities and stuff doing like socialist revolutions there. Okay. There's the Spartacus uprising as well. Like all these Whoa. kind of left-wing things. Uh, in Italy, you also had the Bieno Rosso, the two red years. Mm, okay. uh, lots of strikes. And uh, this is actually what leads to fascists into power because they team up with the uh, capitalists and say, mm-hmm. don't worry, we'll be your thugs and take care of these guys. And Yeah. Yep. Uh, you have the, of course, the Easter Rising in 1916, uh, kind of not exactly inspired by that, but afterward you do have some um, communes essentially uh, spring up in different cities. Nice. And things. Uh, they, they actually call them Soviets. Wow. Uh, you have lots of, I won't go, in, go into all of them, but lots of different instances of unrest throughout. There's a cool map of European countries involved in revolutions from 1917 to 1923. It's just... That's so many. <laughs> it's like most of the map. It's mostly red. <laughs> Let's see, who got it? France, for once, was yeah. like, I'll sit this one out, guys. I've done a lot of revolutions. We got, what, Norway and Sweden, and I don't know who that Denmark, other guy is. Denmark, Iceland, Portugal, Yugoslavia, Albania... Uh-huh. Yeah, so not very much. Those are the ones who are like, oh, we'll pass on this one. Not, to, not today. <laughs> the Soviet Union, or I guess, you know, Soviet Russia at the time was, I mean, kind of like, yeah, this is going yeah, down. Fuck yeah, this it's is happening. cool. Uh, and America was like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, this, this anticipatory kind of uh, yearning. Uh, drove them actually to escalate. The, they had kind of a conflict going on with Poland. Uh, they just blew up into the Polish-Soviet war, saying, like, we're going to need to go over into Germany and help their socialist uprising soon. We can't have Poland in the way. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's just go sweep in, you know, <laughs> take that over. This did not work. Poland kept its uh, independence from them. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, this from the Trotsky episode. Yeah. The part of the context, I guess, of that is that they were in this almost millenarian sort of the end is near or you know the brave new beginning is near mm-hmm. of like it doesn't matter Pol- it's we'll, we'll sorry <laughs> poland we gotta crack a few polands to make a german <laughs> omelet yeah <laughs> so that high mm-hmm. is followed quickly by a low low of oops none of, of those worked yeah everything fails <sighs> and they put a lot into that you yeah. know and that was the goal is just get these things up and running it's going to be easier and easier as these things yeah, it was the spreads, uh, and that doesn't work. No. And the, the they're they're kind of left alone. And one of the things that Trotskyist parties, Trotsky and his followers in his day, uh, argued is that this failure, and sometimes they say, oh, or the failure of the Soviet Union to agitate enough to make this happen, was the reason for the later failure of democracy in the Soviet Union. Mm. Is that it gets left alone, it's under siege, it has to do what it has to do, and it's not good. But it's it's kind of in that context of the what could have been mm-hmm. that you end up seeing the divide that will eventually get Trotsky and his followers expelled and why you have Trotskyism instead of just one unified Marxist-Leninism. Yeah, yeah, damn. Yeah, <laughs> the I bad ending. That map was so hopeful for just a second. <laughs> oh. Have you ever have you seen this on TikTok or 
anything yet of they play kind of this sort of mysterious kind of music, kind of eerie music. It's like do 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 and oh, it, yeah, yeah. and it's like there's a conspiracy yeah, going yeah, around yeah. at this. I saw one on like the fall of the Soviet Union and it's like they say that, you know, there was a failed coup and Gorbachev stayed in power and the Soviet Union fell. But that's not actually what happened. And it's just like oh, the good ending. <laughs> if it fell me. Ugh. Was that the Red Summer? Is that what those were called? It's, I've heard that term. The Red Summer is in the same time. That's in the U.S. It's the U.S., in right? 1919. So we were fucking around, too. Yeah. I mean, that was just a map of Europe. Ooh. What could have been? Give me a time machine. And in the U.S., in reaction to this, you have the first Red Scare. Mm-hmm. They're I mean, like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there was a, a, <laughs> there was a genuine on the part of a lot of Americans... There was a ginned up on the part of the government mm-hmm. fear of Bolshevism. Yeah. You know, and re- impending revolution. Totally. <laughs> but it doesn't happen. And so the Soviet Union is left alone. Tragic. And this, one of the big divides that separates Trotskyism out is the idea of world revolution, which we were talking about, versus the new development of socialism in one country, which is sort of what Stalin, Stalin. and his camp kind of go for. Okay. Okay, I was, I was doing some reading on this, and to me it came across as not so much like, do we want to do world revolution ever or not? It was like a, just a deprioritization? Yes. Okay. So Trotsky was like, yes. We have we, to do it. We have to or keep doing we're this. We're fucking dying out here. Yeah. And Stalin and his supporters were like, yes, we do, but we're the only ones right now. <laughs> we have to, like, we're not going to be around to help anybody if we're wiped out. I can see both sides of it. Ugh. I think it's, you know, an exaggeration, knowingly or not, to just say it's an abandonment of world mm-hmm. revolution. Like it's isolationist or something. Yeah, which yeah. it gets portrayed as a lot of times, mm-hmm. I feel like. But on the other hand, that's easy to say from the point of view of the Soviet Union and not as easy to swallow if you're a country trying to do national liberation and you are hoping for some help. Yeah. You know, now, that is not to say that yeah, I, I feel like maybe you would you would feel like you're shortchanged initially. But, you know, after the Second World War, the Soviet Union's really instrumental in helping revolutions all around the world. So it does end up working out in a way. It would just suck in the moment. Another big division is when Trotsky started uh, agitating in the left opposition. Okay. This is the one that's trying to pull Stalin left, right? Because he's like doing a bit of conservative stuff. Yeah, basically. So it's not just Stalin... It's his supporters too, but it actually stems yeah, all yeah. the way back to the to the new economic policy. Oh, okay. So in 1921, this was actually when Lenin was still yeah, alive, yeah. when they had to do a little, do a little, a little uh, capitalism. Yeah, a little state directed, like markets, capitalism, that sort of a thing. Uh, Lenin termed it kind of a withdrawal of socialism, like, okay. or like a re- strategic retreat, kind of. <laughs> The party later terms it primitive socialist accumulation. Mm, okay. And like, well, you know, we don't like it, but we got to do this to, mm-hmm. to get up some wealth and everything. Uh, but Trotsky and his supporters favored a way more radical state-directed program. Mass industrialization, mechaniz- mechanization, collectivization, that sort of thing. I'm down. Well, the thing is that I think is interesting about this, it's a little less about the what is Trotskyism question because this is a specific policy not yeah. so much an ideology, but Stalin and his crew. Oh, is this the one where they're like, 
we don't like that. And then like a few years later, like, actually, we love it. <laughs> yep. After they got Ray Trotsky. Yeah. Oh, my like, God. Oh, JK, we're going to do that. <laughs> oh, I, I also partially remember this from like the horrible animal farm analogy. Mm, yeah. yeah they the like, fucking windmill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 that. You know, and the context is that you could argue now's not the right time. And then later, oh, now's the now's right time. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, the NAP for sure had run into problems by the time they decided to switch. Yeah. It could have been better to switch earlier. This is possible. Who fucking knows? But yeah, um, that would be, you know, depends on who you support as mm-hmm. far as who you believe on that. But the bigger part of the left oppositions thing that, you know, harkens to what is Trotskyism is Trotsky's call for more party democracy. That sounds good. You know, in a way it is, right? Uh, Trotsky really likes to debate. He really emphasized uh, the democratic part of democratic centralism, Mm -hmm. more so than the other half. Uh, (laughs) But that's not to say, though, Trotskyist parties do still claim that they're, like, democratic centralist. Yeah. This is, like, something they believe. Trotsky initially didn't. Uh, I believe that he was in the Mensheviks. Uh, but once he converts to the Bolsheviks... He's in. He's in, yeah. Okay. Nothing like the zeal of a convert. He is democratic centralism guy. And <laughs> Trotsky's parties afterward are like, no, we're democratic centralists. But are you saying like they're a little more democratic? Like they, maybe they discuss things a little longer before they make the decision or whatever? For sure. Okay. Definitely. And then some. So we'll talk Uh-oh. about that too. And then they go back uh, and hem and haw. <laughs> oh no! So... Uh, Trotsky complained about uh, growing party-appointed bureaucracy. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, this is bad. There's this bureaucratic uh, caste or clique in the Soviet Union. This is what he ends up saying about it. He doesn't say that when he's there, but yeah. eventually he goes back and writes and says, these that was motherfuckers, sucky. here's what. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, if that's left unchecked, and later he'll just say, hey, that was left unchecked, <laughs> and here's what happened, uh, it could remove the party from the people altogether. Yeah, I feel like that's a common complaint I've heard. For sure. He breaks it down. There's there's two categories of workers, of bad worker states okay. uh, that he says uh, that that you can see. And so one is the Soviet example. Okay. It's called too, a... Too much bureaucracy. Yeah, too much bureaucracy. He specifically calls it a degenerated worker state. What he's saying is basically after Lenin's death, as Stalin's influence grows and his own wanes, uh, the USSR changes. It used to have a cool worker state, you know, dictatorship of the proletariat, everything. It used to be cool. Mm-hmm. But then, too much bureaucracy. Too many middlemen. The bureaucrats take over. They, you know, everything turns to stone, ossifies under them. Nothing can get done. It's completely separate from the people. Mm. And now it's bad. Uh, and they sort of corrupt it to, to use the government for their own benefit. One of the things that Trotskyist parties kind of do... Uh, have done throughout their history uh, and and still sometimes continue to do this is is they oftentimes end up sounding in their criticism of the Soviet Union or actually existing socialist states they end up kind of sounding like the US and other imperialist say, countries this sounds pretty anti-communist yeah and that's like, th- these are the myths we were talking about in like episode 4 of like what are some myths about the Soviet Union like yeah bureaucracy and corruption like that, those those are the talking points you hear a lot yeah for sure and so, so to me the things that come out of Trotskyist parties historically and to the present day tend to be you know when, when they're talking about history like that it tends to 
be too close to that, like too mm-hmm. much on the extreme end of that, on, on the exaggerated, the myth end of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when we read Parenti, there was a chapter that was like, hey, there were some things that weren't working right in yeah. socialist countries, but it was in context and it like... Yeah, I think Parenti did such a good job of explaining what did work right too. Like it felt like a very balanced view of like, yeah, we should definitely address those issues. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, maybe I'm not getting the full context of their end because I didn't fucking read them, but <laughs> <laughs> but I could see how you know without doing that, you know, yeah, that could be detrimental because then you're just giving your enemies some fucking talking points. Yeah, there was some pamphlet or another written back in the day, you know, Trotsky's day, and it was <laughs> looking at. Something Trotsky had written about the Soviet Union, and it's like, you know, there's no democracy there. The people are forced to do this, they're forced to do that. Damn they, it. You know, don't have enough food, they don't have enough care, all these sorts of things. And then they publish something else, some other quote that was very similar, and they're like, that's from a fascist magazine, you know? Oh like, my god. You know, this should not sound the same, and when you sound the same as a fascist, that sucks. It's like, argue in your own house, please. Don't, yeah. don't, don't air out our dirty laundry in front of everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, that you know, that's kind of one downside to that but that's what he characterized legitimate criticisms but like execution wise like maybe have a conversation first (laughs) well i guess he did feel like he did have a lot of conversations right yeah fucking kicked out for it (laughs) so he would say i'd love to argue in the house (laughs) but i got kicked out (laughs) uh okay so don't kick out people who are arguing with you like work with them and then what if they start a faction and they say we're gonna Work against what we decided I'm okay here. with factions, remember? All right. I, as long as you agree on the big things. Okay. So you would fit maybe in with the Trotskyists. They okay. like factions. I'm okay with that. I mean, I, it's like the, the interest groups in Vietnam and the, the mm. grassroots style of Cuba. Like, yeah, more voices, the better. Okay. But, like, as long as we're like, all right, we're not doing capitalism, right? Like, that's just, like, always on the wall. <laughs> like... Did you okay. watch Ted Lasso? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, he has a big sign that says believe and like he always points to it, you know? <laughs> and so like, that's what our thing is going to be. Like, we'll have a big sign that's just like number one rule. No, no capitalism. Like, that's it. <laughs> and so like, we all point to be like, all right, we're still on board, right? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's good. Marxism, Leninism, Ted Lassoism. <laughs> it doesn't work. No. Right. No. It, it's a little it's too a twee. Liberal show. It's, yeah, quite so. Uh, but... Okay, so in that respect, then, you would be more along the lines of, like, an East Germany or a Vietnam or something where it's, mm-hmm. like... I love the interest groups. Maybe you would you would leave, right, or maybe even get kicked out of the party part, the actual mm-hmm. party. I probably would. You know? Like, you're fucking weird. But they'd be like, eh, it's cool, you can be in, like, the workers group, you can be in whatever, yeah. you know. Well, I, I think those are important because... I mean, like, I would just say I have to answer a lot of stupid questions about trans people all the time just because, like, I am one. And I just see how, like, the general public just doesn't know things that they're not a part of. Yeah. And so it's really important to have interest groups full of people who, like, I actually know the answers to this. And, like, I have lived experience. Because otherwise, like, people just, they won't think about it. Like, they don't fucking know. (laughs) And, yeah, they'll, they'll come every, you know to a monthly meeting or be like hey i just heard about this thing trans i don't know I Googled what is it. this <laughs> just wanted to put it in the minutes it looks like it's they just <laughs> they google you, and yeah. then they have horrible results like no you're like you need more voices because like otherwise like you know this is how we send a woman to space with like a hundred tampons like people are stupid unless they know things <laughs> unless they have the opportunity to like be told things from different voices yeah for sure all right so you have 
The degenerated worker state, the Soviet Union. See, that makes it sound like they're degenerates, like in a party way. Yeah, they're, they're cool, too cool. <laughs> yeah, like, like in the way like Nazis call things degenerate, meaning mm-hmm. that sounds fucking rad. <laughs> like I don't want to fucking party with them. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, you have the rather rather ableistly named deformed worker state. Oh, okay. I actually know that's able. It sounds able. It sounds like it's probably not like a nice thing to say. (laughs) Right. You wouldn't want to be called deformed. But anyway, the deformed worker state is similar, but it was never cool. Similar, but okay. So like they didn't even get off the ground. Right. They, uh, it applies to country where Trotsky and his followers argue that the working class has never actually held political power. Mm. So an example, it kind of originates from uh, the Eastern European socialist states. Oh, okay. After World War II. Trotsky and them argue that the Red Army just took those places over, set up puppet governments, and, you know, they probably would even admit that some cool things happened there, yeah, but yeah. they would say there's no democracy, people have no rights, hmm. no political freedoms, this sort of thing. Is that accurate, or, or is it? do you think they just have more of an issue with the origins of establishing those states? I would say, in terms of being accurate, the Red Army is the one who liberated them. Yeah, like, I I guess what I'm saying is, like, I don't fucking care how it happened, but, like, the people got nice things, right? <laughs> the people got nice things. The people got to participate in political life. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, if I had my druthers, I'd prefer if the people did their own revolution, but... Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> now, here's another thing. I haven't, I haven't uh, really delved super deep into any one of the mm-hmm. parties there or any one of the country's histories yeah as far as like how much to how what much, extent how much freedom how much democracy that kind of stuff yeah so my understanding is a little bit received and it is that it's it kind of faces the one party state critiques mm-hmm. it does seem that the communist parties there uh both had popular participation but also really Toe the line uh, of the Soviet Union's Communist Party. Okay, okay. And to what extent that was that they just agreed or that they decided that they had to mm. is debated. And sometimes there are open conflicts. Yeah. Uh, in Hungary, they had an open conflict there. Uh, Czechoslovakia. So different places had times when the Red Army came in. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not and, great. People argue, oh, were fascists involved in the protests there and things like that? Because uh, and, and, there were student protests. And there's all sorts of complicated things that mm. we should get into at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very well-known and, and hotly contested things. But that's... That's the claim that Trotsky has The claim like, here... Hey, that's yeah. not okay at all. Yeah, I think Trotsky probably goes too far in the other direction of saying, like... Literally no democracy, right. that kind of thing. They're just bad. It's essentially puppeting the same Cold War thing of it is. the Iron Curtain mm-hmm. and, you know, gloom and doom mm. and this sort of thing. Mm, Trotsky. But I would say, kind of like you said before, I want this argument within the party. Yeah. It would be yeah. good to be able to talk about that and say, like, how can we how can we make it to where no motherfuckers out there can be saying this about us? Yes. Right? Yes. And make it good. Like you always say, make it good enough to where you don't have to mm-hmm. have this Know, uh, critique out there that you need to silence. There's there's other examples out there too. That was the original one. Uh, okay. Trotsky's well, we'll parties kind of vary as to which countries they'll say belong in this group and not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one contentious one, for example, that I would say, what are you guys talking about? Is Cuba? 
What the fuck are they talking about? Some of them say deformed worker state. That it was just, you know, an adventurous, uh, you know, guerrilla warfare guys that just kind of did a coup, took over. Obviously, we're not paying attention to what happens in the Cuban Revolution and the people yeah. like having mass democratic meetings and everything, fighting off the United States, trying to invade. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. And again, like, I think they're getting really hung up on the origins of these things of like, I mean, yeah, again, I don't know. I don't want to just totally repeat myself here, but it just, it that's a bad characterization. <laughs> For sure. I think in the Cuban one, you know, there are some, but there are some that are like, no, it's it's cool. You know, <laughs> they were good. China is another one. Mm. Uh, the DPRK, North Korea. Yeah. Uh, and Vietnam. Okay. I don't know if I agree with Vietnam either. I mean, they fought off the mightiest empire yeah. to win their independence. They did a pretty good job. <laughs> I don't know if an outside force imposed that. Or yeah. could have imposed. I, I mean, they an got outside- help, but that's not the same thing as being imposed. Yeah, like an outside force tried to impose the opposite on them, and they fought it <laughs> off twice. Yeah, yeah that's pretty nuts. So I would definitely not categorize that. Yeah, um, I'm still not deep enough into my investigation of North Korea to speak one way or the other. But China too. I don't. I don't know if that's accurate. China, I would say it's not. That's this is not a good. Yeah. Category. Well, uh, a great theory, theory there, Trotsky. There is the argument that you could say, uh, a Marxist-Leninist might say, that after Mao dies and, mm. and Deng takes power and, and Th- does that's... more revisionist reforms, you could say that was bad. I wouldn't... I mean, at that point, you that's would be talking the, about the other one. Yeah, yeah. The Well, it was a degenerate one. Yeah. Yeah. Then again, there's another analysis of it that says that's what they had to do and then they you know develop the the means and then they get to later on more fully developed socialism these are the terms that trotsky uses though okay, the deformed okay. and the generated workers and trotsky just likes to talk shit is what i'm getting very much so he loves that <laughs> he, was, he was a scorpio <laughs> never forget watch out for your scorpio friends mm-hmm. oh they can be great i love scorpios so he was complaining about the, the bureaucracy thing. He loses out on this question, the party, you know, and keeps doing a lot of losing throughout the rest of his time in the Soviet <laughs> Takes Union. Takes a lot of L's. For sure. Uh, he did not know how to quit. He keeps... I'm picturing him, like, coming home exhausted, like, hanging up his hat, like, another bad day at work. <laughs> Lost another vote. <laughs> Lost another one. Uh, but the thing is, like, when he would lose these votes, the democratic centralism thing of, like, Hey, man, that sucks, but we're doing this. Join us. <laughs> Move the fuck on. Because he wouldn't, like, quit. So he would form these factions within the party. And they and, and they didn't have different, like, interest group type things. Mm-hmm. He would, I mean, like, within the party. Mm-hmm. He would say, hey, guys, we lost that vote, okay. But we're going to be, like, the opposition to that policy group. <sighs> group, okay. All right, and so we're going to be, like, over here, and we'll talk about ways we can undo that policy you know, bring it up for a vote later, which that part's fine. Like, you should be able to bring You should things be able to bring things back, okay. When conditions have changed. But yeah. you shouldn't be the whole time being the like... The next day. Mm, I don't like this, you know? <laughs> In its orthodox interpretation, that's not really democratic centralism. It's not. He's, I don't think he can call himself that anymore. Yeah. Democratic um, shit kicker. <laughs> a rabble rouser. I mean, you know, he... Uh, not every issue he disagreed. I'm sure there were some that he was, you know played the right i just think you can't pick and choose if you're really going to be if you're really going to be democratic centralist he gets him in enough trouble over time the where he gets kicked out you know? yeah yeah he certainly uh, does 
gets him exiled. He then goes on to found the International Left Opposition in 1930. Okay. Funnily enough, he tries to found this as a faction within the Comintern. Oh my god. And they immediately are like, hey, anybody in the ILO, you guys are kicked out. (laughs) You guys suck. What did you do that for? Oh, okay. Uh, Well, well, it's their deal. Well, they were like the Trotskyists. You know, like people who agreed with him, they formed that group. They got kicked out, so he renamed it the International Communist League, and then this eventually grows into the Fourth International, the one with the cool logo. Yeah, both cool names. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so the Fourth International is like the Trotskyist version of the Comintern, Mm. which itself is the Third International. Okay, okay. So they're like, we're the new shit. Yeah. Okay. Factionalism, like what Trotsky practiced, would perhaps be called increased party democracy to Mm -hmm. its supporters. It continues to be a big part of Trotskyist parties throughout their history and to this day. Yeah, that's probably Uh, why you're like, I can't cover this, because if they're so factionalist, they're breaking up all the time. There are so... So many splits. <laughs> There's a list on Wikipedia of Trotskyist internationals, mm-hmm. which is like not Trotskyist parties, but international groupings of Trotskyists, uh-huh. like, but different, you know, tendencies that they have. <laughs> it's a long ass list. Oh, no. Uh, so they have all those. They have uh, lots of party splits, too. Totally. Even within their parties, they will have factions. And some parties are like, that is cool. Like, have a different faction within our party. Mm-hmm. We don't care. But it gets really granular. Like, you'll have, like, five people in your faction. You know? Okay, no. We don't need like, that. Why? Why have that? You're the okay. only five guys who got communist right? Like, so, yeah. I guess I guess my thing is that, like... Like, I, I was saying, like, yeah, I'm very into interest groups. Like, factionalism... Faction, not fascism. Factionalism <laughs> doesn't sound too bad. But I guess I'm just not enough of a theory head to be like, well, I'm going to split up with you because I don't believe this specific economic development plan or whatever. Right. Like, it would be more of like a, hey, like, let me ask for outside opinions on this. You know, let me talk to some doctors because we're doing some medical plans. Mm-hmm. So I think mine's more of an expertise or, or, or point of view interest than than theory because I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I, I know, like, we're doing a fucking theory episode, but it's just like... You're trying to fucking predict the future. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, the answer is, huh? <laughs> There's some analysis involved of the past and everything. There this is, part there makes is. sense. But the other part is, like you said, with the future thing is, you don't, uh, when, when you make a theory, you're obviously making it, if it's to be important, with some ramifications for the future. Hopefully. How can you be that certain that... That you're right. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just too agnostic, I but think. But that's why you couldn't be a Trotskyist, is because you're not too certain I'm, enough that you're right. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not so stubborn. Uh, no hate No shade us. meant toward our Trotskyist listeners. That was a joke. You probably have the funnest name. I mean, it sounds like you love to cut a rug. <laughs> <laughs> Trotskyist. Yeah. Like, this is really stupid, but I but just because he was such a big figure in Animal Farm, I picture, like, a little dancing pig, like, dancing <laughs> on his little pointy hooves. <laughs> <laughs> With his little glasses. So another uh, kind of factionalism Mm -hmm. related thing is something called entryism. What does this mean? It comes about as a result of, in 1934, something called the French turn. Okay. What is this? Everyone gets really hot. It's just like you like look over your shoulder smoking a cigarette like, 
Well, that's the French term. Yeah, it's a model move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so they were already hot because they were already French. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but Trotsky advised this really small party called the Communist League in France. Mm-hmm. They were like the French section of the, his international group. And he says, guys, you should dis- dissolve your party. They're like, what? Why? And he says, you Too should d- dissolve your party and join the French section of the Workers' International. So this is like... Mm, so back to the old international? Well, the, the the Workers' International, that's the second international. This was the kind of the French Socialist Party, okay, there, basically. Part of it. It was the Social Democratic Party. They had a lot of complicated splits and stuff, too. <laughs> but he's telling them to join up with some, some other people. Yeah, some reformists. Why? He says, go join up with them. They end up being the ancestor to the modern-day Socialist Party in France. Mm. The reason... He's, he's telling them, go do this. This is what's this is the French turn, is this event. Uh, and this tactic is called entryism. When you say, we're going to go s- join this party. The reason was not to push them to the left. It sounds okay. like maybe what they're trying I to thought, do. I right? thought, yeah, maybe it's going to be like an undercover op. No, what they were <laughs> actually going to do, they were a small party. So they were going to do this as a recruitment tactic. So they were going to go in and kind of connect their Trotskyist party with... The revolutionary socialists and especially like the rank and file or the youth in this otherwise reformist party and mm-hmm. see if they can peel them off into theirs into their party oh. and leave again with more people oh my god that's real shady oh wow. so they so they do that uh they actually they actually do a little bit of splitting before they actually even enter oh my god uh but aside from that they do build up a bit of a a support base uh especially among the youth branch and in paris in particular yeah that's interesting okay i was gonna i would think i was pretty close to my guess because i thought it was going to be like you go in there and slowly take over basically until it's yours until you're the party <laughs> until it's your ideas <laughs> i mean if you were successful enough that would be it you know mm-hmm. that, that'd be the logical end point yeah uh, but for them they, they do get recruits but some of them start to get kicked out of the party by leadership. They're like, are you? You're not one of us. You don't even what go here. <laughs> uh, and so Trotsky tells them, okay, uh, break away, start a new party. Oh, my God. And take the guys you got with you. But they, they sort of like stumble out of the party. I don't mean like drunkenly, literally, but <laughs> they do a really bad job of it. Some of them are getting kicked out while some of them are resigning and leaving. Mm. And some of them are saying, like, yeah, we're going to start a new party. And others are like what when did i i should have gotten the memo about and so when they leave they actually split into two parties oh my god idiots so So you start with like the same you ended up with the same size basically just twice as many parties (laughs) yeah it was a pretty disastrous but it's kind of funny because even though they did that later trotskyist parties will still do this this entryism tactic that seems insane and there well it's actually it's worked better Okay, really? other examples, yeah. So one example is in the United States. You had the Workers' Party of the United States, which Mm -hmm. is a small party, about 1,000 members uh, in like the 30s. And they voted to disband and join the Socialist Party of America. Okay. The Socialist Party. That's a big one. Yeah. They're they're like, we're going to do entryism. We're going to go in, print newspapers, recruit people. Uh, And soon enough, they in a couple years, really, it only takes uh, for them to split back out. But they end up with twice as many uh, members, they become the Socialist Workers Party, and that party is still around today. They're no longer Trotskyist; they actually lead a different 
a, a tendency called the Pathfinder tendency. <laughs> They're just dorks. Yeah. <laughs> or they like the Nissan Pathfinder, either way. <laughs> uh, but they, they focus on solidarity with revolutionary Cuba and with the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. So that's so that's fucking cool. specific. But yeah, it's, it is I, also that. I don't understand this. Like That one, like how different were those two parties? Were what? The, the Socialist Party of America and the Workers' Party. Well, the Socialist Party of America was more reformist more and more electoral, you know. But, like, why couldn't you just have some wings in that party? Well, they might kick you out. We saw them, you know, why? reds that they would, the leadership would come uh, in and say, you don't have the right credentials. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Mr. Feeney would kick you out. Mr. fucking Feeney. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that's what's annoying to me about entryism. I don't like it. I'm just like, fucking work together. You believe in the same things. You just believe in different ways. Just fucking... Take two tracks, do both. It's too much of a like a game where the opponent should not be playing against each other. But, yeah, yeah, we got bigger fucking fish to fry. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I think especially for maybe the French example, like it just seems petty. The well, the Socialist Party of America. I mean, they weren't the best, but like pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. and Big Tent, they were in the USA. I mean, geez. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> doing all right. Like, I think maybe your little thousand guy club maybe you should just join with them. True, true. Uh, Another famous example is the militant tendency in the UK. okay. So they were a Trotskyist group. They had kind of confusing origin story, but it's it's a big deal. So I would like to do an episode, a mini kind of what's their story sort of thing, because that's that's very well known, especially in the UK. Uh, But they entered the Labour Party kind of in the earliest days, in the 50s or something. But Mm -hmm. then like it starts to pick up steam uh, in the 70s. And uh, they grow in influence with the the youth organization in the Labor Party, which was used to be called the Labor Party Young Socialists. Ooh, which okay. is cool. That's a cool name. Now they're I think just called Young Labor, which is not as cool. That's it. Sounds like child labor. <laughs> Too close to that. <laughs> we already are bringing that back. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's hot right now, but <laughs> they also uh, grew in influence on the Liverpool City Council. Mm. So up the fucking Reds, uh, they were a tiny group to start with, but they grew to somewhere in like the low thousands by the 80s. Okay. Which is kind of their peak. Really? Uh, at which point, labor... Uh, the, the press starts to instigate and say, like, there's a secret party within the oh Labor Party. Oh, my God. And then God. Labor, of course, turns on itself and is like, where is this fucking secret party? We hate them. And they start kicking people out. They start doing just purging them from the party altogether. And all the while, uh, Thatcher's having a great wink about it. Like, yeah. that was perfect. Everything yeah. went to plan. Well, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, and there's, I mean, there's very dramatic moments. Liverpool City Council, for example, under pressure from Militant, which was very strong there, it wasn't like the main, uh, it's confusing. It wasn't the main guy, but it was like two other people on the city council were like straight up militant, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they were like the secret power behind him or Whoa. something like this. It was very influential. But they did a, an illegal budget. <gasps> uh, Thatcher was like, you can only spend this much money or something. And they're like, well, we're going to spend this much. See what happens. <laughs> Too bad. Put the pressure on you sort of thing. Wow. Um, I don't think it turned out well, but it was kind of cool. <laughs> But they get purged out. They they eventually leave to form Militant Labor, which is now just called Socialist Party. And so that one's still Trotskyist. But it had kind of a higher high watermark, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that one, honestly, maybe it starts as entryism of like, oh, let's break away later and be cool. Mm-hmm. But it seems to have almost developed into, let's just change this thing. Kind of what you're saying. Inside. Let's just become it, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, let's come up with a name for that. A burrowing. 
Like you're thinking like a parasite, you know, the ones that take over people's brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's know. what we are. That's what we are. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> it's a good positive connotation. Uh, so that's the entryism thing that they also did, do in Trotskyism. Okay. It's not like they all do it, but it's it's, it's, it's in a, their playbook. Okay. <laughs> so there's still Trotskyist parties all around the world. Like I said, way too many mm-hmm. to go into. That was just a smattering of them. Yeah. But uh, the one exception of, of there's because there's a lot of well-known communist figures in this as well, but one guy I wanted to bring up, more because he's like totally rad and crazy and cool, <laughs> but weird man, okay. like super weird, uh, is a guy that's the star of. I, don't, I haven't seen these memes in a long time, but I used to see these memes uh, of Posadism. What is that? So it's this guy Jay Posadas. Okay, he's an Argentinian Trotskyist, uh, and. He was the founder of a particular Fourth International, of course, called the Fourth International Posadist, <laughs> uh, and a founder of the ideology Posadism, which is just based on his writings. Okay, thing, yeah. right? Uh, so he was a communist, a Trotskyist. He openly called for socialist states to launch a massive preemptive nuclear strike <laughs> on the capitalists. Oh, shit. He said, fuck them up. Okay. This will spark the world revolution. I, it'll spark something, man. From the ashes will come forth the brave new world of socialism. Okay. So that was, you know, a very extreme position. But that's not all. That's not re- Well, he's partially known all. for that. Yeah. He also There's more. Uh, did a lot of writings about UFOs. <laughs> this guy's crazy. I love it. And so he said uh, UFOs were basically evidence for extraterrestrial communism. Mm-hmm. Saying um, you couldn't have your you couldn't do that unless you had your shit together. Yeah, uh, I've heard this theory. You're only sufficiently advanced, basically, if you're you know communist. Otherwise, you kill yourself before that point. I mean, maybe he thought we should uh, that humanity should call on UFOs to intervene and solve the world's problems and help us get to communism. <laughs> Start making like those big rock messages. <laughs> so come help uh, us. Uh, and he also thought that this new, you know, the new socialist society there would uh, include the ability to communicate with dolphins and have, like, dolphin rights and stuff. What the fuck? This was a little more tenuous, and I couldn't tell if this was just a popular myth, but I definitely remember this guy being, re- you know... Related to... Yeah, his his I- ideas were, like, dolphin-adjacent. But the only thing I could find was some sort of, like, alternate magazine that said that he had made some... You know, fairly positive comment about, about dolphins? some sort of so, uh, Soviet research onto into communication with dolphins. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> he was like, oh "That's my cool." God. Uh, but again, I don't I don't know if that's legendary or what. Yeah, but I wanted yeah. to include because like it's not too strange for this guy. That's fucking <laughs> hel- yeah. No, it's really like it's completely believable. Like, sure, yeah, nukes, <laughs> aliens, the dolphins. Those yeah. are my top three favorite things. <laughs> sure. So oh. there's lots more, you know. Honestly, actual... I love the alien theory. I want aliens to come save me. That Please. one's pretty good. Yeah. I'll take that. That's, you know, for all you guys who are like. One out of three. Uh, I don't want to do any of the violence in the revolution. That would be one easy shortcut. That's a really easy one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a, an excellent, I probably plugged it on the show before, an excellent, but it's like, it's from the sci-fi channel so it's not excellent excellent well, but it's yeah cool. it's excellent in the right way yeah but it's cool is uh this mini series called childhood's end based on the arthur c clark book mm, okay. uh, where aliens come and and just 
hand us the communism? Well, they debilitate all of our weapons. So we, you know, try <laughs> shooting at them and it doesn't work. And we try shooting at each other and no longer works. And they just, yes. they just take out our problems. And they're just like, you guys are fine now. You, all your diseases are cured. Hunger's done. Inequality's done. Everything's great. Live in paradise. I need an alien zaddy to come save me. It's fantastic. We, Fuck yes. We, everything's great. We kind of end up evolving into ascending and joining them cool. sort of later generations do but the Sick. rest of us get to like live on a cool ass zoo do whatever we want and like oh, essentially we like compete in sports and play music and stuff and yeah. do art i'll to, be like, an alien zoo pet me me Fuck too it. it it's beautiful i want to be my cat so. most days so this is just the next step up <laughs> exactly so this kind of concludes our rundown <laughs> through trotskyism Way to end on a high note, which is unusual for us. Right? <laughs> well, I did want to do a little bit of discussion as far mm-hmm, like... Mm-hmm. What do we think? Yeah, our, our kind of verdict here. Pros and cons. I'm very torn because I, I do like pushing to the left. Like, duh, that's cool. But I think the way he goes about it is really annoying. And I totally see how he would get kicked out. Like, I don't like his shady playbook of entryism or just like continually agitating... In like a not helpful way, I guess. You know? So, just to poke at you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, how how do you pull to the left without doing that? Well, yeah. How do you, you know? Trotsky would ask, "How do you get done what you want to get done when you're right mm. and other people are wrong, and maybe they have more votes than you? But what are you supposed to do? I mean, are you supposed yeah. to break away and do your own thing? Are you supposed to argue within the party even more?" You know, are you supposed to just say, close your mouth and be like, well, this is fine, I guess. It sucks, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that. Like, I, I, I get how he came to those conclusions, I guess. But like, yeah, because I, I, yeah, I, I think we had this question a, a very a long time ago. But someone was like, I get scared when we talk about, you know, total democracy, because like, you know, what what happens if everyone votes against you know trans people or something you mm-hmm. know like that could very well happen yeah and you really have to rely on having like such robust education that that wouldn't happen but like who's going to vote for that too like you have to it's i get it i get it like that is scary it's kind of out of your hands in that way and i guess everyone i don't know if everyone does this but the way i was inclined to just kind of respond to this and then i was like well maybe most people react in some way or another in the same vein is the the communist or the marxist leninist approach to that would be hey we we're the vanguard party mm-hmm. we're in leadership like we kind of command we set the agenda yeah we set the agenda we do the educating we tell you what would be good to do as as a communist people you yeah know? and then yes you guys are free to approve or disapprove of this within our party we're free to kind of debate and decide or everything but we do have common tenets that we then apply to everything else and we say well we believe in the equality of people so therefore in this new question that's arisen that's going to be our guiding principle yeah. not just like what do y'all want to do do you want to do the dark side option today fine let's do it like, <laughs> that, i think that's maybe key of like the sign i said like that we put on the walls like like this is very so satanism <laughs> has like these tenets and they're pretty cool uh, oh, yeah. let me look them up the seven tenets uh one should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason pretty reasonable stuff literally okay. reason the struggle for justice is ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. 
the freedom of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. People are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. So what I like about these is like, they're very like, feel good. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds nice. They're pleasant. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. Satanists are kind of cool. They do a lot of like cool work around abortion and stuff. Check Mm, it out. Um, They have their problems, but point me towards a church that doesn't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And what I like about them is that they're general enough that you can like, they can adapt to the change around them. Like explicitly that last one was like, you know, hey, sometimes some shit's going to come up. But they are they are still outlining like what they believe in in such a concise and clear way that you can still say like hey we're still on board with this right Mm -hmm. so like if we had some sort of like you know overarching rules like that then i would be totally fine with this of like yeah we're you know beyond anti-capitalist we are also like yeah we are we believe in equality and things like that so that way we have like protections built in so we can say like, "Hey, you're not doing any of these bad things, right?" Like, then you yeah. have to leave if you fuck up one of those. Yeah, I think that still ends up being a decision of who's in and who's out of your political system, and you do have to do that, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. <sighs> yeah, like it's democracy for the people, and you have to basically say the fascists are not the people. The fascists aren't <laughs> the people, right? <laughs> yeah, they may be individually humans who can be saved, but as a group of people but who that, have a certain that goes against the the sign on the wall what the the sign on the wall that says hey we're communist <laughs> right yeah I'm hey saying... we're communist and also you know here's some other guiding tenets but like you know the yeah. big one is hey you don't don't fucking be capitalist don't be fascist like duh yeah like we can kick those people out but trotsky right. wasn't a fascist no no i mean he well you know depending on who you ask some people will go that far <laughs> and say i will say he wasn't anti anti-fascist because he opposed fascists yeah yeah that's all uh, it takes man <laughs> i think he messed up in doing that a lot and was he gave you know, him some ammunition and that's yeah. not a great thing but you know we all fuck up right yeah and so this isn't that's not the popular take necessarily in you know communism 101 subreddit or whatever you know if you're <laughs> hanging out with with marxist leninists they're most likely going to be like ah, i don't just don't speak up for trotsky that's yeah fine. they don't fuck with him much uh, yeah but like i wouldn't say he's an actual fashion that's low bar but like yeah i also just you know don't despise them as much as yeah yeah do. i guess <laughs> i mean we've talked about this before of like i'm perfectly willing to debate all day once we get to a good point mm-hmm. you know so maybe we are a little more democratic centralist yeah but you're saying also this whole thing of like excluding people who aren't on board oh say let's exile the fascist fascists or whatever kick them out maybe we'll send out a crew to go you know, preach a good word to them every once in a while and see if we can get a few, but I mean, they can, well, okay. I guess what do you mean by exile? Like, I guess what I mean is like, Hmm. I don't know. I also don't mind a quiet fascist if they want to be, you know, do anything. Fuck you want your heart. Yeah. You can't patrol that. Yeah. But if you want to make it a public political belief that you state, unless you're, bordering it on either side with no one should believe this but i believe that, mm-hmm. whatever like 
if you're trying, you know, and most people, if they're stating their political beliefs, there's an implied, you should believe this too. Yeah. You know, you just shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Well, I guess my, my question would be, yeah, like, I think it depends. I I think, well, if you're in a, in a social state, you've gotten enough of the people on board to make that happen. So like, there's probably not like, it's probably not majority fascists, you know, you probably don't have to worry about that. So they can fucking vote. They're never going to win. But they can vote if they want. They're going to spread. You think? How small was the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party? Yeah, yeah. And it becomes the Communist Party of the Soviet Union with millions of members. Maybe they can't vote. I wouldn't. I would. I mean, yeah. Maybe a meaner. No, I mean, I guess what I would would say, like, hmm. I mean, we would definitely want to, like, work on our propaganda and stuff to make sure that, like, we're doing everything we can to be like, hey, that fucking sucks. Like, we can talk shit about them all fucking day. What if you let them vote and you, get, you know, if they elect a member or something, they get a member. But when they're televised on C-SPAN or they go on the debates and stuff, they don't know it the first time. And then subsequently they know it and they have to deal with it is... You uh, on the TV production side, you like edit it and just like make it look like a clown show sort of thing as they're going on. You make them like have a TikTok filter on their face yeah. and like they have a stupid voice, like <laughs> they talk like this. And <laughs> yeah, all that. That's hilarious. But to the point about this, does I think I agree with you. This doesn't do anything to deal with the situation of you know Trotsky and and people like him who are having disagreements that fall completely within. Yeah, I think those agreements are fair, I guess. I would just prefer them to... I, I would ra- I would. I guess I'd rather them not kick them out and, and just deal with that at home. Again. Yeah. Uh, I think going forward, when, if we're going to find ourselves, God willing, in a, <laughs> in a uh, socialist revolution, uh, a, a you know, socialist revolutionary state, hopefully we won't have the same conditions mm-hmm. as... Soviet Russia did when they were in a civil war. Right? Yeah, like hopefully we do have more countries on board. Hopefully, yeah, we're not facing massive, massive invasions and things like that. Like we're yeah. we're in a, a spot, you know. Let's just spitball climate wise. Okay, everyone's fucking on board because we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe it's something like that where we have the luxury of like of hearing out those debates, but not for too long because also we're on a dying planet so yeah i guess that makes sense so i mean in their you know in their case their emergencies had to do with even after the civil war once you get into the into the left opposition trotsky stuff they're dealing with building up their industrial base mm-hmm. building up their basic survivability against the rest of the world yeah so their questions when you dissent against those key things if 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 the majority thinks Hey, th- you know these people are, are advocating against something that is vital for us to do. We have to kick them out. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. In our example, would be oh, if if you ha- have a minority <laughs> within the party, guys. yeah, who's just like fossil fuels? Let's do it. <laughs> you know, then you have well, to be like, we, we literally no. can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like that's a bridge. Shoot. Like I guess that's the thing. You really have to decide where, what your lines are. And I feel like with a lot of these party splits, I get frustrated because I'm like, that was a stupid line to pick, guys. <laughs> right. That's the thing is we wouldn't have to, hopefully, have to deal with such extremes. Yeah. Eris isn't so sure. Eris would be a Trotsky. She is a she splitter. Is, she's she very knows. contrary. Yeah. <laughs> she's probably a Scorpio. When was she born? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when Eris' <laughs> birthday is. <laughs> bad, bad father. Yeah, bad father, too. <laughs> All right, so what's another thing about 
Trotsky, and we talked about <sighs> the disagreements, the mm-hmm. factionalism. Mm-hmm. I like the, I mean, his, his uh, what was it called? Differing development or whatever. That Countries shit. are different. Yeah, countries are different. I agree. <laughs> uh, uneven and combined development. Yeah, I like that. I think it's like a nice uh, kind of study of, of imperialism and things like that. I think it lays some good groundwork for, for I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, when, when was uh, imperialism by, who was that, Lenin? Mm-hmm. That? When was that? Was that before or after him? Trotsky <laughs> codified, I so I don't know when he first put pen to paper on it, because okay. I know he was saying talking about some of these things before Lenin did for example his April theses that were like we're gonna do the revolution even though we're not supposed to be able mm-hmm. to do it here sort of thing it's fucking cat <laughs> um hi hey girl so yeah. I know he was writing some of the stuff I bet they before. influenced each other on that yeah so yeah and then uh, Galliano and yeah I think that's cool yeah so I like that and I like the uh the permanent revolution thing. I think that's pretty cool. I like it as a precursor to like Maoism, mm-hmm. its approach. Yeah, I think Maoism is better, but because of the peasants his... being yes. people that are yeah, good enough. Yeah, to... I think that was like really hierarchical for no reason. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean Trotsky. He was more of an intellectual. He didn't really come from a peasant background, mm-hmm. so makes sense. And then, I mean, yeah, the whole exporting the revolution thing. I'm into. Yeah, for sure. I think. Situation-wise, it makes sense why they did what they did. Instead of focusing on exporting the world revolution mm-hmm. right then. But then, you know, there's the counterfactual. What if? What if? What if? It could have could have been, could have not cost that much and they still could have done it. I don't know. Who knows? Next week, we're just shooting the shit, right? Next week, yeah. We're going to chat, see what's up. Cool. That sort of thing. All right. I uh, guess I'll catch you later. All righty. We're going to hang out a lot this week, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but listeners, you'll hear us next week. Yeah. Bye. See ya. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up and coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.